Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. So, can I start off with a good cop story? Can I start off with one? It kind of kind of makes me feel comfortable when I'm up here. Make fun of myself a little bit. I've told this one before, and I was like, Lord, I can tell him something else. And he was like, no, nah, I'll tell him that one again. I was like, all right. So we get, a, we get a tip one night from Marion County where a guy with a whole bunch of felony warrants is. And I actually knew who the guy was. I dealt with him prior um, over in the Williston area. So I get a couple guys off my shift, and we go down, way down, have to actually have to go into Marion County and then back into Levy, um, Ocala Highlands, if, if you're familiar, down in the Dunellen area. So we get there. Now, picture the worst yard you've ever seen. Grass that high, like car axles, car bodies, kids' toys. I mean, you, you name it. That's this yard. Now, it's, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black dark. You can't see anything. Well, I had been to this place before, but they always stop you at the gate. They would never let you on the property. So I just kind of had an idea of what it looked like. Well, I knew he was there because he told me when I dealt with him in Williston, that's where he was living. Now, this was a couple weeks prior. So we get there, and there's, there's dogs on this property. There's like six campers on this property. The, the trailer sits in the middle, and there's like campers all around it. And they had dug trenches from the main water supply to each one of these campers because they were renting them out, making money, selling drugs off of this property. So you can imagine us trying to find which camper he's in. I mean, we were just like throwing a, a dart in the, in the dark. So we're falling in these trenches and like trying to wait around without turning our flashlights on so the dogs bark at us because he was a runner. So... I finally get to this camper, and I could hear a television on on the inside, and I'm like, all right, this is it. So you know how we knock, like, we knock. (laughs) Sheriff's office! Dead silence. So I do that like three or four times, and finally I pull out my trick out of my back pocket. I'm like, hey, go get the dog. So I kind of tested the doorknob a little bit, and it was unlocked. I'm like, I'm about to put this dog in this camper if you don't come to the door immediately. So this kind of weirded me out a little bit. So a female, she just walks by the door, and she just opens it as she's going. So that, like, set every alarm off in my head, right, because that's not, that's not normal. Normally, you say you bring a dog out. They come, oh, okay, okay, okay. So I was, like, kind of looking at her. Of course, I have my gun drawn. So I watch her, and I'm, I'm looking at her, trying to figure out what, what she's doing, and she, all of a sudden, she just kind of looks back towards the back bedroom like that. She ain't want that dog in there. She's like, he's back there. Go get him. So I step up into the camper. Well, immediately glass breaks out the back. Well, we had like, I brought three guys with me. So two of them were in the back, and then me and another one was down on my side of the camper where the other door was, this big old camper. So I hear glass break. I hear them hollering. Well, I didn't want to go back there. I was like, well, if they see him, that's good. I got a guy right there. I'm right here. So I'm kind of like, I'm standing one, one foot on the step, one foot in the camper, and I, I can look right down the wall so I can see my SWAT commander, and then down the hall I can see where the bedroom's at. Well, 
I guess he didn't like tasers and guns being pointed at him when he stuck his head out the broken glass because he snatched it back in. I later found out. And then he sticks his head out in the hallway, but I couldn't see his hands or anything. So, of course, he got a gun pointed at him. And I'm giving him commands like, show me your hands, come out, show me your hands, come out. TJ, it's me, you know me, come out. Well, he disappears. And all of a sudden, he hits that door that was aligned with his bedroom, I swear to you, at 50 miles an hour. (laughs) He hit that sucker so hard. I don't even know if he pulled the handle or what or if he just went through that thing. My SWAT commander wasn't even ready for it. Like, he blew by my SWAT commander. Like, it was like, holy smokes. So, of course, I'm watching all this happen, you know, one eye this, down, out this way, one eye down the hallway. So I see it happen. And this joker takes off across this yard running like a deer. This brother ain't built like no deer. All right, and we got all that crap on. So, of course, as every foot pursuit, I'm not fast, okay, but I'm the fastest guy that's there. I got a bulldog mentality. I'm like, you might get away, but you ain't going to get away without a chase. So I put my gun up, and here we go. So we take off through this yard, and I'm telling you guys, we are jumping over trenches, cars, weaving through playhouses like we're going through it. So somehow, because he had a head start, like he was from here to the door before I ever even was like, holy smokes, he's gone. I somehow like start catching him. So like I'm like, for me to miss Janelle from him, I'm like, holy smokes. So I reach over, grab my taser. And we're coming around a playhouse. I'm like, as soon as we get in the open, I'm going to drop this sucker right here. Because <laughs> I'm not very fast. So we get out in the open, and I turn my taser on. Well, you can see the laser, like, bouncing like this. And there's trees. So I could see my taser, like, hitting his back, hitting the trees, hitting his back, hitting the trees. You know, so I'm like, <gasps> I try to be real still for a second. And at that same moment, I hit a fence that was about this tall. You want to talk about a wipeout? Boom, and I'm going head first. So as my taser is up in the trees, I see it get real close to me. I'm like, that's got to be his back right there. Pow! I shoot him with the taser, or try. He didn't stop. I'm like, dang. So I was about to give up. I ain't even going to lie, because I'm like, man, I didn't think about this till after. I'm like, I could have just died. Like, as much crap as in this yard, I could have just gotten impaled by something. So the thought crossed my mind, like, that's enough. Like, all right, we tried to tase him. We missed him. He's gone. Fight another day. No. He makes a hard right when he hears that taser go off, and there's a fence, like, about where the bathrooms are. And he hits that fence, and there was, like, ten in this fence. Like, the wire's rusty. Like, all the posts are about to fall down. So he gets hung up in this fence because he's running in the pitch black darkness. Like, he can't see. I can't see. All I got now is my gun. So... I pull my gun out, like, turn my flashlight on. I got the world lit up now. I'm like, I got you, sucker. So I get up, leave my taser laying there. I don't know why I meant to bring it with me, but I didn't. Take off. Well, he's, like, stumbling over the fence as I'm coming up on the fence. So he flips over. Well, he's, like, on his back, and he's trying to scramble up. And I'm on the fence at this time. I'm like, no, I ain't getting hung up in this fence. So here's Superman. Boom. Over the fence land on his back, and just, we pile drive both of us into the ground as hard as we could. But the problem is, is now we're in somebody else's yard, and they don't know what's going on, and they know the type of people that lives beside them. So as I'm wrestling with this guy, the porch light kicks on. And I hear, and out steps big boy. 
with nothing but whitey tidies on. And he steps out. And I'm thinking to myself, I ain't even going to lie to y'all right now. I'm thinking, I'm about to use this boy as a shield because I ain't getting shot for you, dog. So <laughs> as I'm wrestling with him, <laughs> I kid you not, it was not funny at the time because I just knew, like, I, there's a bullet about to whiz by my head at any moment because I know this cat knows what's going on over here, and he don't know what's going on in his backyard, and we are done because we were not far from his back porch. Old brother says, you got him. I'm still wrestling for this guy. <laughs> and I put one hand behind his back, and all I could say was, yes, sir, I got him. Like, I didn't know where my backup was. I didn't know where them brothers was at. It was just me and him. <laughs> he says, holler if you need me. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> holler if you need me. <laughs> Walk right back in. Left the light on for me. The brother left the light on for me so I could see. <laughs> That's all I got for you today. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. I'm telling you, I could write a book about it. Here we go. <sighs> Here we go. The power of prayer. I can tell you guys that I'm here because of prayer. Not that I'm worthy to be up here. Not that I'm deserving to be up here. Because it's an honor and a privilege to get up here and relieve our pastor and give him and his wife some time. And it's an honor to get up here and to try to work our way through this thing together. Work this, work this thing called life and, and doing it the right way and doing it the way that God says to do it. It's, it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of this family and this house that God has placed me and my wife and my family here. And I just love you guys so much. Um, but as a product of a nasty divorce when I was nine, um, alcohol domestic violence, um, lots of heartache, lots of manipulation. I can just say that the power of prayer will get you through anything that you come against in life. So let's jump into this thing. Pull up, pull up a, a chair and let's, let's eat this together. So what is the power of prayer? How can prayer bring a person back to life? How does it heal the sick? How does prayer comfort those who are anxious or seeking, sinking into the depths of depression? How does prayer deliver an addict? How do we, how do, as Christians, I did this, and I'm sure many of you did. Why do we pray for our spouses before we ever meet them? Or pray over our kids before we send them to school to make sure that they're protected with everything that's going on? How can, impact, how can we impact through prayer those that don't know Jesus, or while we're going through the pandemic that we've went through, it's the power of prayer. So the answer to that, all those questions, is in our anchor verse right here in Matthew 18. If you don't have your pencil sharp and your knuckles warmed up, get it warm, because those of you that's listened to me before, I, I'll, we're going to shred this Bible today uh, with scriptures. So Matthew 18, in its verses 18 through 20, says, Truly, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. It's so cool to... 
pray about something all week and listen to worship music, and then you get here, and, and through the song, God confirms, like, hey, you nailed it. Like, this is what you're supposed to be speaking on today. And just listening to those songs and keeping up with our thread for our leadership team this week, it's like, yep, that's it. That's it. And there, we, if we look in the Bible, there's dozens of, of real-life accounts, you know, where Jesus and his disciples battled through life together through prayer. We can look at Elijah's request. God shut the heavens and prevented rain from falling for three years based on Elijah's request. He parted the Red Sea for Moses so that he could lead his people through into safety. He cast out demons in the New Testament in the Synoptic Gospels. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. And on more than one occasion, raised people from the dead. So this morning, I ask you this question. Do we realize the power that we have available to us through prayer? Do we really? Do we really think about the kind of power that we have at our disposal for free? Because if we did, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, and anything that I speak to you guys, it's where I'm at in life. We would pray more, and we would be on our knees more, and we would seek his face more if we truly understood the power that we have at our disposal in prayer. Because there wouldn't be anything such as doubt or fear or anxiety or questioning because we would, we would be on our knees pounding heaven with prayers to fight off everything that was going on in our life immediately, without hesitation, if we knew the power that we have available to us. So you say... What exactly is the power of prayer? Because the prayer is not in the words that we utter. It's, it's not about what we pray or even, or even how we pray it. It's, it can be simply defined as talking to God. Just talking to God. But it's more than that. It's an act of worship. And it brings Him glory. And it says, God, I remove me and I insert you into this situation or into this circumstance or on behalf of this family member that's going through this or I've been going through this, I'm going to remove me out of the equation and I'm bringing you and I'm putting you in it so that you can handle it. It shows him that we're putting him first and that we understand, and this is something that I struggled with for those of you that know me well in high school, it shows him that we know that we're incapable but that he's capable. We might be incapable but he's able. Amen? Prayer is the, is the most fiercest weapon against the enemy that we have in his word. Prayer in his word. Many of you know Priscilla Shire, a big fan of hers. She was the main actor in War Room. Um, her, she has an awesome quote. Prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven down to earth. It is kryptonite to the enemy and to all his ploys against you. I'm going to read that again. That's power. Prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven down to earth. It is the kryptonite to the enemy and to all his ploys against you. Another author said it this way, Mark Patterson. He says, prayers are prophecies. They are the best predictors of our spiritual future. Who we become is determined by how we pray. Ultimately, the transcript of our prayers becomes the script of our life. I read that and I was like, holy smokes, 
Because the things that I've prayed about the most and the things that I've put up to God the most are the exact transcripts of my life. The exact transcripts. So in other words, who we become, the circumstances in our life, and the core of our character is all determined by what we talk to God about. It's that simple. According to the Bible, the power of prayer is quite simply the power of God who hears us and answers us. There's so much peace to be found in that, that he hears us. Even the smallest of needs or the smallest of worries or concerns, we can take it to him and he cares and he'll help us. So I got four points for you guys. Number one is God is almighty. God is almighty. Very popular scripture, Luke 1, 37. Luke 1, verse 37. Y'all help me finish this one. For with God, nothing shall be... For with God, nothing shall be... Impossible. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm going through something or even, even just at the bedside of my kids, you know, when we pray before bed at night, there's nothing to me, maybe worship, but when I close my eyes, even just to pray a simple prayer with my kids, like when I close my eyes and think about who I'm talking to, I can't help but just hear all the stuff that I love to hear when I'm watching sermons on television, that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. Like, that is the stuff that comes to mind when I'm, when I'm praying, is who am I praying to? I'm praying to the one that made all of this and that knew all of this was going to happen before it happened. He knew COVID was going to happen. He knew, he knows everything, everything about each one of you, everything about us. It, there is no shame, I'm just going to say it bluntly, about getting naked in front of God. Because you can't hide it anyways. That's not good English, but you can't hide it anyways. He sees it all. And I just, ah, I love that. Like, I just hear him say, is anything too hard for me? That is so powerful. Is anything too hard for me? The answer is no. There is nothing too hard for God. Nothing. Number two. We're going to be out of here in a good time. God asks us to pray. So yes, it brings him glory. And yes, he likes it. He asks us to. He asks us to. I didn't really plan out how I was going to do this, but this sentence that I'm going to read encompasses so many scriptures, but I didn't have time to feel like I could give it to you guys. So I'm just going to stop. And in parentheses, I'm going to give you the scripture where it came from. God invites, encourages, and wants us to talk to him. He's very relational, very relational. I used to get caught up when I was younger. I'm going to stop for a second. I used to get caught up when I was younger on how I prayed or what I said or how eloquent that I could sound. But the truth of the matter is, God, I need your help. You don't have time in a patrol car running 120 miles an hour somewhere to back up your boys and girls to say, Heavenly Father, I come into your throne room only by the blood of Jesus. You don't have time for that. Dispatch is talking to you on the radio, telling you very important information. You got deputies already on scene that's dealing with whatever they're dealing with. Like, you don't have time. God, I need your help. I need to know where to park my car and get out so that I'm safe and to find them and resolve whatever the matter is that's going on. God, I need your help. That, that's all you got time for. So, sorry. God invites, 
encourages and wants us to talk to him. We are to come to him in faith. That's James 1.5. We are to come to him in faith. That's James 1.5. With persistence. That's Luke 18.1. With thanksgiving. Philippians 4.6. This is a big one right here. A big one that I wrestle with a lot. Within his will. Matthew 6.10. And from a heart that is right with God. James 5.16. I wasn't going to expound on that much, but that portion of within his will is scary. That is scary. Because his will is not always our will. And his plans for our life is not always our plans for our life. It's not always what we imagine. Those of you that know me well, I started off in dispatch. Did not want to go to dispatch. Had a job offer from Chiefland PD to get out of the academy and go straight to the road. But God said, this is where I want you at first. And it's funny because you don't see things like he sees things. But every now and then, not everything by any means, but some things he will show you why later if you will just be patient and trust. I didn't realize how much I was going to learn about law enforcement in dispatch so that when I went to the road, I knew how to do things that the regular deputies didn't know how to do. I knew how to find things that regular deputies that went straight from the, the academy to the road didn't know how to do or couldn't find. And I'm like, man, how do you know how to do all this dispatch? He, there's, you can wrestle with him, but if you're going to pray... You have to pray, thy will be done, not ours on earth as it is in heaven. Because he's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to impede on whatever your plans are until you surrender to him, until you surrender. He'll let you drive that ship all the way until it crashes into an iceberg if you don't surrender to his will. That's a, I didn't want to expound on that too much, but that's a tough one to swallow because it's his will. And we don't always understand we don't always understand. Kelly Shepard will be one of the first questions that I ask God about when I get to heaven. And I'm glad Miss Sabrina's not here. Those of you that knew Kelly Shepard, that will be one of the first questions because I do not understand. I do not understand. But I've heard Bradley say this many times. I trust his heart. I trust God's heart. We have to trust God's heart. We have to trust his promises even when we can't see. And even when we can't understand, we have to trust his heart towards us and towards our family and towards our children. In fact, Luke 18, 1, we read this, and this, this is comfort to me. And he, this is Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. Always. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that is passed into the heavens, talking about Jesus. He had passed at this time. This is Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I'm going to start getting these done where he can be up on the screen. I keep telling myself that. So Jesus has passed. It says, let us hold fast our profession, verse 15, for we, not, for we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, for, or I'm sorry, but was in all points tempted just like we are but yet was without sin. And that's what I love about bringing small things to him because I'm like, man, I don't even want to bother him up with this. He was tempted just like we were tempted. He was tried just like we were tried. There's no emotion or no hurt or no anger that we can feel that Jesus did not feel. 
We're not praying to a God that doesn't understand what we're going through. He understands everything. Even when we don't know the answer, he understands. So 16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I I love that. I love that. Find peace in this. Jesus experienced everything that we will experience in this life, and he overcame it. He overcame it. And we've been given access to that same throne through prayer. Through prayer. Number three, he has all the answers. I think I wrote it a little differently. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Scratch that. Make a scratch that. He answers our prayers. He answers our prayers. Psalm 17, 6. I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. And one of my favorite passages. Truly, truly, this is, this is Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. That's John 16, 23 and 24. John 16, 23 through 24. So in other words, when we ask, and this is a big one for me in law enforcement, I know it kind of sounds funny when it says neighbor, but it says God, when we ask, ah, In other words, when we ask God to give us love for our neighbors, he does. And what I mean by that, for me specifically, and all of you guys work in the workplace somewhere, that's everybody we come into contact with. It's not the person, it is the person that lives beside you, but it also is everyone that we come into contact with every day. Because the same people that you guys deal with on a a different level is the same ones that I used to deal with when I was on patrol. You need love for those kind of people. Like, us in here may only call law enforcement one time in our life, maybe, but there's other people out there that we go visit on a regular basis because they're not like us, and they don't carry what we carry, and they don't have what we have. So when we ask him, hey, I need you to help me love that person, he will. He will help you love that person. It can be family members, too. We don't get to choose them. When we ask for patience, he begins... He begins to tender our hearts, uprooting areas of impatience, and then provides opportunity to practice patience. Listen, I've got a, she will be four tomorrow, and a two-year-old in my house. (laughs) And this two-year-old is going through potty training. So yesterday, she wakes up from her nap, and I hear the usual, she'll go through the whole spill before you can get in there. Mama! Mama! Daddy, Bubba, like somebody come get me up out of here. Well, we were right in the middle. I was finishing up something, so I I literally gave her like five minutes back there because sometimes she'll go back to sleep if she's not ready to get up, but she kept on. So (laughs) I'm not going to do this. I walk into her room and turn the light on, and immediately a smell hits (laughs) my nose. (laughs) And I look, and she, I'm not going to do it. She's got her leg propped up on the top of her crib, such as this. <laughs> Look, Daddy, there's poop! <laughs> hey, 
God will give us patience when we need it because it was a mess and it stunk so bad. <laughs> so notice how I wrote that. Uh, he will uproot areas of impatience <laughs> and he will provide us an opportunity to employ patience because a brother needed some patience right then, right then. Whew. <laughs> Moving along. So when we ask him to come near to us, his presence will literally sweep in, surround us, and embrace us almost like a cozy blanket. I'm not going to get into too many details about all the, the stuff I've been involved in, but I can tell you there has been some calls that I've went to. I've got the heater on in my car, and it's 85 degrees outside because you will literally freeze going to a call. I have trained so many deputies that work for the sheriff's office still, and literally almost every one of them, when you go to that first really hot call, like, holy crap, this is bad. You, you'll have the air condition on because it's 100 degrees outside, and they'll tell you, man, I'm freezing. Like, your knuckles will get cold, your hands will get cold, you will start shivering, because we wear that, but we're still human. Like, I still have a family and children that I want to go home to. So, he will... I'm telling you, I've been traveling down the road and just, God, I need your help. And all of a sudden, you just get warm. You just get warm. So, when we have very little faith, sorry, I just wanted to make sure I was good there. When we have very little faith, sometimes learning to trust God with our prayers is like being a toddler. It really is. You, you'll pray about something, but then you, you kind of waver. Like when you're learning, toddlers weren't learning how to walk. You'll waver, you'll fall. He's not so much concerned about that. You didn't really believe it, even though you asked for it as much as he is about, will you get up and try it again? Will you get up and try it again? Because I can tell you, we think like this, he thinks like this. He knows we're going to fail in that moment, but he's asking, will you get up and try it again? That's why the Bible says have childlike faith. I don't have that one wrote down, but we have to have childlike faith and keep moving forward. <clears throat> but like I said, he's a perfect gentleman. He doesn't chastise us. Matthew 17, yes, ma'am. Matthew 17, 20 says, because of your little faith, I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And I, going back in my walk with God, there are times where the best answer he can give us is no. No. I've prayed for things that weren't his will, but I make sure, God, I'm surrendered to you. That song confirmed this message with me. The last one, forever faithful. You hold my life. You hold my life. When you tell God, you hold my life, you steer me in the way that you will go, he will tell you no if you ask for the wrong thing because you're surrendered to him. If you want to drive that ship, drive it by all means. I, I drove it and crashed it, and then I, all right, Lord, I can't do this. Take it. And he will. But sometimes we pray for the wrong things, and we just got to be patient. And when we get on the other side of it, you will see why the answer was no. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. When me and Bryson's mother split, 
I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for us to get back together. And little did I know that that woman back there was going to come into my life and change everything. I'm talking about my wife, Sarah. Sometimes the best answer he can give, and I'm not knocking her by any, by any means, I'm not. I'm just telling you that sometimes his best answers are no. Or wait. Or wait. And he wants to see how faithful we can be in the wait. In the wait, how faithful will we be? Number four. Oh, yeah. Number four, how do I tap into the power of prayer? How do I tap into the power of prayer? As I said earlier, it, it isn't in the, the power is not in the person that's praying. It's not a magical formula. It's not in keywords or in, in the eloquence of what you say. It's in an open heart. It's being humble. And it's being, that, that filled, being filled with awe of who he really is and what he's capable of doing. That's where the power of prayer is. Because it resides in God. It's not in us, it resides in God. If we, could, if we could get a hold of this, this right here, talking to myself, there's nothing that we can't do. There's nothing that we cannot do. I, I don't know if it's just being exposed to everything that I've been exposed to in 10 years of law enforcement. I'm, I'm literally, it's, yeah, I guess sometimes it can be an anxiety a little bit, but not really, it's, it's more of a, I'm fearful to not pray. I'm fearful to not pray. Because you don't have to go looking for trouble anymore for trouble to find you. You can be pumping gas at a gas station and someone approach you with a weapon to take everything that you have right there. And kill you in the process. So, I'm, I'm more of like a... I'm almost scared to let my family leave the house without, hey guys, come here and let's pray about this. That's the way you got to be anymore. This, we don't live in the same, even 10 years ago, law enforcement wasn't the same. It used to be, hey, I'm the bad guy, you catch me. You're the good guy, your job is to catch me. No, now it's, you try to catch me and I'm going to try to kill you. Over nothing. Over a, a gram of weed, which that crap ain't even hardly illegal anymore. But that's the truth of the matter. The world has changed in a short amount of time. we got to get a hold of, of the power of prayer in our lives. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 tells us, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. It's that simple. It's that, the Bible ain't hard. It's not hard. Keep in mind, Jesus rebukes, I love this, Keep in mind, Jesus rebukes those who pray using repetitions or those who pray in public to seek attention or those who don't have a right heart. Matthew 6, 7 through 8 says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That should bring us peace right there. You don't have to be eloquent. Just say what you need to say. He already knows your need before you ask Him. Just say what you need to say. And the last verse before we get into a little something quick here. Psalm 107, 28 through 30 reminds us, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, 
The ways of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Psalm 107, 28 through 30. It can't be said any better than John Hagee said it when I was listening to him on, te on television. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. John Hagee. Because there is power in prayer. Really quickly, I'm going to give ten things, and Brother Paul is going to come up here and close us out. What prayer does for us. Number one. Prayer helps us develop a relationship with God. Prayer helps us develop a relationship with God. Those of you that have been married much longer than me can probably attest to this. Sarah can just about finish, or I can finish hers, any sentence that she says. Because we communicate. She knows how I think. I know how she thinks. She knows the stuff that I say. I know the stuff that she says. It's the same concept with prayer. The more we talk to God and the more he talks to us, the more like him we become. It's that simple. Number two, prayer helps us gain an understanding of God's loving nature. Prayer helps us gain an understanding of God's loving nature. 1 John 4 through 8 says, or 4 8 says, God is love. It's that simple. He is love. Number three, Prayer provides answers. Number four, prayer helps us find direction in our life. I've told this story many times. I was frustrated because I was stuck in dispatch. I'd watched people get hired on the road that cheated off my papers in school. So I was frustrated, and I wanted to leave. And I went to my sergeant, went to my lieutenant, went to all the deputies that I dispatched for, and says, hey, I'm probably going to leave because I'm tired of getting passed up. They said, dude, we'll write you letters of recommendation. Where do you want, just tell us where you want to go, who, who we need to send it to. And I prayed one morning on the way to work. I'll never forget this. I prayed on the way to work one morning. I said, God, if you don't give me a sign that Levy County Sheriff's Office is where I'm supposed to be, I'm leaving. That morning, Noel Ramirez walked in. The one, the, my, one of my best friends got murdered in Gilchrist County. I've told this story before. Walked in, did his usual little you know, jokes, whatever. The Noel was a very light guy, always funny, joking, laughing. And he walks out. And all of a sudden, he walks back in, and he's like staring me down. And he comes around, and he gets behind me, and I'm staring at my computer screen. He's back behind me. And he says, bro. He's like, I don't pray too much. He's like, but this morning, I was on my way to the sheriff's office when I, when I got on duty. And he's like, I just felt like God was telling me to tell you you need to be patient that he's got something special for you. When you're living in his will, he won't let you get out of it. Thank God. <laughs> wow. Number five, prayer gives us strength to avoid temptation. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Number seven, six. Yeah, six, sorry. The numbers are above. I couldn't remember if they correlated below or above. <laughs> prayer align. did I say this? Prayer aligns our will with God's will? No. Prayer aligns our will with God's will. I know many of you in here are fans of C.S. Lewis. He said, he or she, he, 
Prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. Prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. Number seven, prayer and regular fasting can help us accept God's will. I'm telling you, God's will is tricky because it's not always what we think it is. And it's not always going to look like we want it to look. Number eight, prayer can work miracles. Prayer can work miracles. I'll just give a little quick story because I've had to kind of humble myself a little bit about this. I've been asked many times by friends of mine that aspire to build their own house like I did with God's help and a whole bunch of other people's help. They ask, how did you know what size house you could build that early in the game to know how much you needed to ask to borrow? And I, I never really thought about that because when I went into it, I just prayed like, God, you, you show me how big it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like, what's supposed to be in it. I never really thought like, gosh, how much money do I need to build this thing? Like, he just saw me through. So when they asked me that, I'm just like, you pray. Like, I don't know what other answer to give you. Like, there is no way without having every single thing in your house priced and know how much you're going to need. There's no way to know what that end number is going to look like. But what I didn't know was, and don't ask me where this came from, I kept everything on a spreadsheet because I'm just that way. I kept everything on a spreadsheet, and I haven't told very many people this, so I hope y'all know I trust y'all and y'all are my family, but, and I get nervous about it because I don't want y'all to feel like I'm arrogant or that I'm prideful, but I just want you to know that what God does for me, he'll do for you. He's not a respecter of persons. Everything that he's done in my life, he'll do for you. He will do it for you. That's one of my main things in tithing. Like, there's nothing, there's no blessing that anybody's ever gotten that he can't give to me. Like, I'm, sometimes I get a little bit negative, and I'm like, man, why do, why do they got all that? Like, I try to keep my heart right, but I'm just being transparent with you. I'm like, how? Like, they don't, they're not doing anything for God. We need to change our, our level of expectations into, into whatever they have, I can get it. Because I'm given to God's kingdom, and I'm doing what's required of me gladly, gladly now that I've walked with him this long. So, back to the spreadsheet. When, when we got finished, in two years and eight months, and... Guys, we don't make this much money. Me and Sarah had put $270,000 of our own money into that house. Just along the way. Just if we could afford it and it was there, the smaller things that you need, we just used our cash. Instead of going to the bank and, and pulling money out, I haven't told many people that. I hope y'all know I trust y'all. $270,000. Don't, we don't make that much money together. We might now. But back then we didn't. Where did it come from? Come on, brother. Thank you. That was number eight. Prayer can work miracles. So when my friends ask me, I'm just like, dude, you got to pray through it. I, sorry, I'm not, I'm not a builder. I'm not a house builder. I just, you got to pray your way through it. Number nine, prayer invites the Holy Spirit into our life. Prayer invites the Holy Spirit into our life. Man, there's, oh, I could expound on that so much. When the Holy Spirit's with you, he will literally lead and guide your whole day. Your whole day. I'll literally say a prayer, and within 10 minutes, like, if I'm bored, y'all know I just switched, so I'm at the school. It's a lot different than patrol. 
But I'll be like, I need something to do, God. Give me something to do. And next thing you know, bam, a kid walks up to me and they just want to talk. And that sounds small, but like, they're moldable when they're that young. Once you get our age, we're not as easily influenced. So it, it's a big deal. And I'm, I'm learning to take it very seriously when they come up and just want to talk about kid stuff. That's fine. It's fine. Number 10, prayer, this is the last one. Prayer helps us become more like Jesus. I kind of spoiled that one in number one when I talked about me and Sarah finishing each other's sentences, but it's true. The more we talk to God, the more he talks back to us because he knows we're willing to listen when we talk to him. When we stop what we're doing, there's been, I look, my radio lives on 101.7, but there are times I will turn the radio down. It's just noise. If I ain't worshiping to it, and it's just playing, it's just noise, and I can't hear. I talked to my brother this week, and I was telling him how, how I, was, I thought I had the word and, and knew what God wanted me to say. It was when on my lawnmower. I got a lawn business on the side. I was cutting grass, and just the, the quietness. I don't try to blare over the, over the lawnmower and make myself deaf. I just put earplugs in. It tones everything down, and I can listen. Me and God talk. I've cut all them yards like 87 times so I can close my eyes and cut them. You know, it doesn't require a lot of focus, but I just say that because there's so much noise in our life. The last message that I spoke on was life in the fast lane. Everything keeps us busy. Our phones, the radio, the television, our work, our friends, our family, everything keeps us so busy. Sometimes you've got to turn that junk down and just be still for a minute so you can hear you want to come close us in prayer, brother? I'm done. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you. And until next time, the best is yet to come.